You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Whatever we define as the gospel, if it isn't first and foremost good news specifically to the poor, then we should recognize that whatever it is that we're preaching as good news, it's at at bare minimum, it's different than the gospel that the Jesus of our stories preached. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 448. Our title this week is The Love and Justice of Advent, and our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 11, 2-11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. When Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Love is a traditional theme during Advent, and in the Gospels, uh, love holds, I think, the most concrete meaning for me when spoken of in the context of justice. We don't see a lot of familial love in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We don't see romance, but But what we do see is love demonstrated through concrete actions of justice for the marginalized, for the the disenfranchised, and for the excluded. If we interpret the, the central message of the four Gospels as uh, universal love. What we see over and over in the stories is love and justice together. Just as Dr. Emily Towns uh, said in her in the documentary Journey to Liberation, The Legacy of, of Womanist Theology, uh, Towns stated, when you start with an understanding that God loves everyone, justice isn't very far behind. So, in our reading this week, Jesus uses his actions of justice and, and liberation to to, to validate his ministry to the imprisoned John. In uh, in our text, it says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So now each of these, except for leprosy, is from the book of Isaiah. We're going to read through a couple of these. Isaiah 35, 5-6 says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf 
stopped, then the lame uh, leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In Isaiah 29, 18-19, In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of the gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord, the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 26, 19, But your dead will live, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning, the earth will give birth to her dead. In Isaiah 61, 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So it's my opinion that the gospel writers, in, in addition to this list that we glean from Isaiah, they add leprosy to this list because it's it was a concrete uh it, it's it's per it's its own physical suffering was a, a a concrete metaphor of the also the social effects that that uh, uh were the result of of roman imperialisms the destructive effects of imperialism on, on rural communities and if that's a new thought for you and how leprosy is used uh to symbolize uh roman oppression in uh in the gospels i I want to recommend to you our uh, uh, article, Trading Individualism for Community, from last October, and I'll put a link to that in this week's e-site, but you can find it on our website, too. But 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 this list is complicated. Folks um, without the ability to see or hear or that have difficulty moving have their disability listed alongside leprosy and death, and, and that's just, once again, it's another Another example of the ableism in these ancient stories. We can, I believe still, glean much that's good from the Gospels, but while at the same time also being honest about how our stories have harmed those with, with different experiences from the story's authors. Uh, the Gospel stories were written from the perspective of non-disabled people, and, and they've harmed people that, uh, with disabilities. And if that's, that's a new idea for you. I want to recommend the book, The Disabled God Toward a Liberatory Theology of Disability by Nancy Island. Um, this volume, this book was was on our Renewed Heart Ministries recommended reading list this past year in 2022. But, but one of uh, the things we have to be honest about is that today we can acknowledge how the ableism in our gospel stories has borne harmful fruit and in the spirit of our jesus story uh, that 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 uh, wants to do no harm and, and practice the golden rule and love our neighbor as ourself in this regard we can do better one item in this list that that does resonate with me deeply especially this time of year is that last phrase which sums up jesus's message as good news to the poor and in my early years of ministry um i thought i was preaching the gospel for years, but I never even mentioned the poor ever. I, I, I realize now that that what I called the gospel then were themes that 
that Jesus actually never spoke of, while the themes that Jesus centered and most emphasized, well, those are the themes that I never mentioned in my preaching or in my teaching. So, so whatever we define as the gospel, if it isn't first and foremost good news specifically to the poor, then we should recognize that whatever it is that we're preaching as good news, it's at, at bare minimum, it, it's different than the gospel that the Jesus of our stories preached. Today, a lot lot of Christians preach a gospel about Jesus, but I found in my own experience, not as many um, Christians are interested today in the gospel that, that the Jesus in the story himself preached. Advent and Christmas has historically been a time when, when Christians make charitable gifts to the poor. And, and while charity has saved many lives, uh, we have to remember that charity is still just a band-aid. It still leaves systems that create the need for charity uh, untouched and unchanged. The, the Jesus of our gospel stories taught more than, than charity toward the poor. He also taught love for people living in poverty lived out, not in acts of charity, but in economic justice. One of my favorite quotations from Gustavo Gutierrez in his book, The Power of the Poor in History, this is page 44 and 45, he writes, but the poor person does not exist as an inescapable fact of destiny. His or her existence is not politically neutral, and it's not ethically innocent. The poor are a byproduct of the system in which we live and for which we are responsible. They are marginalized by our social and cultural world. They are the oppressed, exploited, proletariat, robbed of the fruit of their labor, and despoiled of their humanity. Hence, the poverty of the poor is not a call to generous relief action, but a demand that we go and build a different social order. So, our reading this week, it ends with Jesus referring to John the Baptist as the greatest prophet who had ever lived. And both Jesus and John align themselves with marginalized communities, not the centralized political power communities of their society. And in addition, they, like other Jewish teachers, they chose to stand in the rich Hebrew prophetic tradition of justice. The prophetic tradition in the Hebrew scriptures, we have to be honest about this too, it's also complicated. Many of the Hebrew prophets uh, use rhetoric that is, is life-giving for the poor, but it's also death-dealing for women. And this is another opportunity for those of us who value this tradition to practice honesty as we use it to inspire, as we use the tradition to, to inspire justice. In her classic work, uh, in memory of her, a feminist theological reconstruction of Christian origins, Dr. Elizabeth Fiorenza writes, and this is page 135, feminist critics of the prophetic Israelite tradition have pointed to its devaluation and suppression of goddess worship among Israelite woman, women, uh, cross-reference Jeremiah 44, 15 through 19, as well as 
as to its transference of the patriarchal marriage pattern to the covenant relationship between Yahweh and Israel, in which Israel is seen not only as the dependent virgin and wife, but also as the unfaithful harlot. Post-biblical feminist objections against the prophetic tradition that it el- eliminates the divine female symbol as well as perpetuates the patriarchal subordination of women must be dealt with critically from a historical perspective before feminist theologians can claim the prophetic traditions are liberating for women. So, alongside the rhetoric of, of certain of the prophets, and I'm thinking of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea, and there's more, we also find that uh, that's why it's complicated, it's why it's mixed. We also find strong calls for justice toward those they're society had made economically vulnerable to harm. Within these these same prophetic traditions that have rhetoric that's harmful to women, we also find statements like the following from Amos that have been an inspiration to some of our, even our own contemporary justice movements today. One of which is just is the civil rights movement. That's just one example. But in Amos 5.24, and many of you have heard it repeatedly, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Um, we have to couple Uh, the message of universal love with a concern for the concrete needs of those that we claim to love. Their liberation, their justice, their well-being, their thriving, that has to be coupled with uh, our claim to love. And our material lives matter. And concern for the material needs of others is part of of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Liberative and distributive justice, it's what love looks like in public. And today, I think we have to let the kernel of concern for some people's material needs found in like the Hebrew prophets and the Gospels, we have to let that evolve to include everyone. It it definitely includes the poor. It definitely is about economics, but it also includes people whom certain expressions of Christianity have struggled to apply this concern to. And I'm thinking of, once again, uh, uh, women, I'm thinking of people of color, I'm thinking of LGBT. TQ folks, uh, disabled people, and so many others. We can, in the spirit of the Jesus story, um, we can begin to evolve that application and begin including and practicing love and justice towards those communities too. Heart Group application this week, um, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. And number two, this Advent season, what does love and justice look like to you? Based on the ethics of the Jesus story, what communities do you feel Christians could evolve to be more inclusive with their concern for their concrete material thriving? And discuss that with your group. And then lastly, number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, 
compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts and sign up for our emails and our newsletters as well. And also, if you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, please like and subscribe to uh, this podcast through whatever podcast platform that you use and consider taking some time to give us a, a review there. This helps others find our podcast as well. And if you'd like to reach out to us through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And remember my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.